We are live, Brother Way. I appreciate you taking the time this evening to spend a few minutes with me. Um, sounds like you're a free man because I just asked you when, when you have to be done. And you said just whenever. So we can just yeah. go and go and go. And we're Baptists. So we, we might yeah. uh, take advantage of that. But I appreciate you taking the time. For those that don't know you like I do, could you just give us a short synopsis of your biography and kind of what got you to where you are right now? Well, I guess uh, you could say... I was born almost 39 years ago. In a couple of weeks, I'll celebrate my 39th birthday. And uh, I was born into a pastor's home. My dad started pastoring when I was five, almost six, in August of 1986 um, in a little town called Gainesville, Texas, just north of Dallas, Fort Worth. And so I grew up in a pastor's home, um, basically probably uh, experienced most things as uh, as most pastor's kids do. but. You know, enjoyed the ministry. Uh, my parents never uh, made the ministry, you know, a drudgery. It was always a joy to serve the Lord. And obviously there's difficult times in ministry, but um, there for, he was there 26 and a half years now uh, as a ministry to the IDF and Israel. And and so and other, and other ministries going on there. And I, I think what I'd like to probably say at this time is, you know, I think like a lot of kids who grew up in church, uh, you know, I made a profession when I was young, you know, doubted a long time and then finally got it settled. Um, actually, after Bible college, uh, I went to Oklahoma Baptist College uh, there and graduated in July 21st, 2003. Um, we were at a youth conference. I was the youth pastor and just was tired of playing games. And, you know, I was one of those kids that would go to bed at night. Lord, if I'm not saved, save me. And, you know, uh, but it just it, came, it became real that night, and for the Jeff Owens preach, don't go to hell from here. And uh, I mean, I wanted to go during the service, but you know, my I used to get in trouble for doing that. So immediately when the invitation started, I went and grabbed my dad and went down the altar and said, "Dad, I, you know, I've just been playing games. I'm not saved." And so I trusted Christ that night. Obviously, uh, changed my life. Uh, I've never doubted since. People struggle sometimes with salvation, but, you know, once I got it settled, I've never doubted since. And so praise the Lord for that. And then got married May 26, 2006 to my wonderful, lovely wife, Stephanie, and uh, just celebrated 13 years. Uh, we have three kids. One, Andrew is 12. Second, Daniel is eight. And our last but not least is Hannah. She will be four in November. And so we've been in Louisiana now. Uh, the last Sunday of June, we celebrated six years as, as pastor of the church here. And the Lord's been mighty good uh, to me and to us. And so I guess that's probably a little bit. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, it gives, gives folks a, an idea of, of who you are, where you're, uh, where you're at, and, and how you got there to some degree. But we'll kind of maybe start in the present day and maybe backtrack a little bit. But been pastoring there. Did I hear correctly? Six years, just about now. Yes, six, six years. years. Um, and I've I've heard very so recently, as as you did as well, that Louisiana, especially now Southern Louisiana, correct? Is that where? Yes, where very far south. Um, it's it's a different world than some people uh, <laughs> here up north. Not even just just north, just anywhere north of that. Um, right. Maybe can't wrap our heads around. It. And for someone, in the best way you can. Explain your mission field to to those of us sitting here not in southern Louisiana. I think, you know, what I like to say is, um, you know, we're not in the Bible Belt. Of course, you know, where y'all are is not the Bible Belt. So, you know, uh, what I say is Cajuns are kind of like Yankees. They'll speak their mind. They're not they don't put on a show. There's no phoniness. They are who they are. They're just real people. They're just a little bit nicer than <laughs> That's what I to say. They're just a little, they're very kind people. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, and just to give you a little uh, geography, we are 55 miles southwest of New Orleans. And so, uh, yes, there are things that are south of New Orleans, and, and uh, Homa is one of them. And even down the bayou where we live is, is further south than, than Homa. But just to give you a story, we, were, we moved here. Uh, in in June of 2013, and let's see, my something went out of my suburban. I can't remember what it was, 
And I was at O'Reilly's trying to figure it out. Oh, I know what it was. It was a, I say, I know what it was, but I just can't tell you what it was. <laughs> not a mechanic. Uh, but anyways, I, we couldn't figure out. It had a miss in it. And so we just couldn't figure out what the miss was, and they couldn't help me out. And so I'm talking at O'Reilly's, and this guy, stranger, never met. I've only been here a couple months. He gives me his name and phone number. He says, if you can't figure it out this week, you give me a call, and I will help you. So, I mean, it, they're, they're some of the kindest people you'll ever meet. Um, and, and what we enjoy about it is, you know, they're just real. They're just real. You know, having grown up in the Bible Belt, um, and, you know, people probably take this the wrong way, but there's just a lot of phony Christianity. Uh, and that's not that's not here. And so it's, it's a blessing. And we love we love it here. Uh, we love the people are obviously our people in our church, but we love interacting with the folks and, and uh, you know, trying to talk more about Jesus. Sure. Uh, sure. Sure. I'm, I'm sure it's a blessing to be able to take people. At face value, I'm sure that's that to, to a large degree, um, and and you're exactly right. If, if people, you know, want to take that the wrong way, they can. It, it, it is what it is. It's the truth. Um, well, and you, know, you know, the truth and, is, I, I, you know, I was phony. It's, I think all of us, we all have inconsistencies. But you know, sure. having grown up in that, there were times that I wasn't myself, uh, and so you know, I don't know if that soothes anybody's, you know, <laughs> anger, but. Uh, I, I was the part of being phony at a, at a time in the Bible about myself. Uh, sure, sure. No, and and that, that clarifies things I, I, a little bit. Which, and for those like myself who are weak on their geography, um, you know, just, just figuring out you know, where where everything is at. But the the realization that there are you think of anything you know south of the mason dixon line they're just all the sugar the, the sugary sweet you know bless your heart all that and it, obviously there are you know shades of that i'm sure right. um but to know that there's, there's a place where that is not the case whatsoever no. um, though though still you know i mean that gentleman that you mentioned still kind enough to uh help a perfect stranger out that's a blessing um yeah and so uh was that a how much of an adjustment was that especially on the ministry side what would you say practically speaking how does that affect uh the way you preach or the way you interact with the people knowing that when someone breaks down crying in the middle you know like that, that's a real mccoy i mean that that's you know something's going on right now right i think it it actually you know in my eyes it's a blessing because they're real with me and i can be real with them Sure. Uh, you know, I don't have to sugarcoat the truth. Right. And, you know, you mentioned preaching, you know, it's it, at times it seems like the harder I preach, the better the, you know, my folks love it. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, as a pastor, you can't, you know, you got to, you know, encourage or exhort and rebuke, you know, I mean, there's right. times for both. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's just, it, it's certainly different. And uh, you mentioned the Mason-Dixon line. We say everybody north of I-10 is a Yankee. <laughs> we, it, it, the closest we can get to I-10 is an hour. So we're – that's funny. That, huh. So, yeah, it's funny how it's all relative to, 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 different, to different folks and, and the willingness to rehash the Civil War and all those things, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, now, uh, so six years there – and you had obviously your father's and your dad's and many great men of God uh, influence in, in your life. But talk us through Lord's leading to to end up there and and the I guess to end up pastoring um, and obviously no profession and God called one. But talk us through through that uh, that chain of events. I, something I didn't say also was my, my grandfather was a pastor and I okay. uh, was in the ministry 55 years. Um, my dad's now been in the ministry for 40, I think 44 years. Wow. Um, and uh, I'm, this is, I consider it my 20th year in the ministry. Although, you know, those, the first years would be in Bible college and I just, I, I paid them to serve them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, we did, go to Bible college, serve over there. But anyways, um, in 2012, uh, I just felt the Lord leading the pastor of church. My dad was still pastoring. And so I candidated at some churches. Um, and you know, when one, one day I was just reading my Bible 
and uh, I actually have it in probably some notes up there. I don't, I'm not real organized, but I know about where stuff is, you know, typical guy, I guess. And the Lord's like, all right, it's time for you to, you know, basically find the people that I have for you to, to pastor and preach to. And so start a candidate at different churches and just, you know, it, it, it's a different type of process. The, obviously, guys who have candidated know uh, what it's like, but, you know, having not done it, it's hard to explain. We went to Iowa in April of 2013 uh, to see a good friend of mine, Phil Teeny, And it happened uh, while we were there that uh, our, our mutual friend, Brother Bill Graham, uh, was the associate pastor there at at Grace Baptist in, in Iowa at the time, Marion, Iowa. And he said, Hey, do you want to go to Louisiana? I said, no. no he said, uh, he said, are you interested in going to Louisiana? I immediately said, no. I said, but I'm interested in being where God wants me to be. If that's Louisiana, then, you know, I'll go. It, it didn't matter to me where the Lord wanted me. I just wanted to be in his perfect will and He's like, man, there's a a church down there. They just have a few people. They hadn't had a pastor in a while. And he said, uh, if you're interested, I'll give them your your name and number and everything. And so he did. And they called me and we came and preached. uh, They have a parsonage that we live in. So I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Wednesday night. And then we left. We actually left Wednesday night for service because we had to get back to Texas. But anyways, while we were here, Again, reading my Bible, the Lord gave me peace about being here. And uh, they called two weeks later and said, uh, you know, that they wanted me as their pastor. And, and so that's that's how it came about, I guess. Uh, Brother Graham had preached here and knew they were without a pastor. And so I guess that's a short end. Sure. No, I, I appreciate that. The I, I've realized in just talking to some other folks about, and obviously we are going into a transition here shortly right. and just, you know, after the Lord's leading on that uh, prior to getting peace about it and talking to some other folks when anything, but God's will is your agenda, then mm-hmm. that's when you run into problems. Um, right. And when there's any area of the world anywhere, you know, or, or, or any or any time frame that's xed off or you know crossed off your list, mm-hmm. and it's not av- available to God, you have blackout dates right. on God. Then right. that's when you walk because because you know God might not want He might not have wanted you in Louisiana, uh, but if you had a, a bad attitude about going to Louisiana, which you didn't, but you just you know just want to be where God was wanted you, and uh, so no, no, that's awesome. The so th- that's the uh, last six years or so, and I I don't want to just to to brush over those being a to some degree you could still say a, a newer pastor. I mean six years coming up though. I mean soon on a, on a decade. What are some lessons you learned in the last six years that looking back, maybe you think, man, I should have figured that out from my dad, you know, being a pastor for X number of years or or things that you or just things that you were never exposed to because you were not the the man. And I don't mean, you know, on a pedestal, just, you know, the guy in charge, the under shepherd. What are some lessons you've learned in that time frame that you didn't learn previously? I think probably just, you know, not having an option, you know, <laughs> when you're the pastor, you know, it's not there's like no, hey, there's no uh, nobody to kick the can to. Right. So hey, let me call a friend and, and let him take care of the situation. You know, it's 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 your God called job. Uh or you know you know, I I, I, I say job, but you know, calling uh opportunity, you know, that it's it's not something that I have to do, it's something I get to do. Right. And um but I, I think that's probably something that that I've learned. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you got to be yourself. And I, you know, listening to some of the podcasts, um, you know me, I'm not a tech guy. We we know we know each other well enough. You know, I'm not a tech guy. So uh, and I'm not a guy to sit down and just listen to podcasts or to get on YouTube and just watch video after video. I'm not that guy. Uh, I don't. If you do, if somebody does, I'm not against them. It's just not me. But uh, after you asked, you know, I had actually watched probably, I think, two of your podcasts. But then I got on and watched a couple more that I hadn't seen. And um, But, you know, I think a common um, denominator in a lot of what I've heard is, you know, you got to be who God wants you to be. 
you know, don't you can't imitate what somebody else has done because God was using them in, in a particular way and, and God will use you in a particular way. So just be yourself, you know, make decisions based upon your peace from God and not what everybody else has done. Um, you know, for instance, uh, I, I tell people just to, you know, make the Pharisees mad, but that we don't have Sunday night church anymore. Uh, but we have an afternoon service and we do it a little different, but it's, it's worked for us and it's been a blessing. I, you know, it, and I think we probably talked about it at basketball camp or football camp, but anyways, it's been a blessing for our church. And, uh, you know, some people frown on that and that's okay, but I had peace and we've done it and it's helped our church. Uh, not everybody has to have an afternoon service, but that's what we chose to do. Um, so, you know, realizing that, you have uh, an opportunity um, that God has put in your place uh, that you can't, you know, pass on or you say keep the can or um, and then just being yourself, uh, even even in, in preaching. You know, I, I think a lot of times we try to put preachers in a mold or have you have to have a certain service fit the mold. You know, you got to have so many congregationals and specials and the offering at this time. Right. You know, I mean. Most of the guys we hang around there that that we know mutually, I don't think they're in, they're not they're not in a certain mold. They just do it because they have peace from God. But I know there are a lot of folks that struggle with that. You know, thinking what what might the brethren say? You know, I, unfortunately, I think we've come to a place where we're more worried about what the the brethren are going to say than what God thinks, and that's a dangerous place to be. So, uh, I, I think that's. Uh, of course, you know, you know, my dad, he was a very unique individual. I mean, he is a unique individual. He, you know, he did things the way he thought God uh, would have him to do it. And so it, that wasn't something I necessarily had to learn. It's probably something I had to just put into personal practice. Sure. Right. <laughs> That's probably a couple things that I would sure. say. No, absolutely. And I think you, we can talk ourselves up or. Uh, and not not in a boastful way, but we can say we're ready for that. And I, I have not, you know, yet been put in that position myself. But we can assume, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with making all the decisions until you realize that means all the decisions. Right. Um, and, and and yes, you know, uh, it's wise to you know do as Jethro told Moses and delegate some things and and get rid of some of the decisions. But it, it seems like it's always the difficult decisions that get left on our on our plate. Of right. course. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's that's some to uh, to prepare. I guess you can never really prepare yourself for. Um, but no, uh, go ahead. no, dealing, you know, dealing with certain situations uh, in the church, you know, I, I don't think anybody could ever prepare for, you know, certain situations. It's just until until you walk through that situation with with, you know, with your family or with, you know, people in your church, your church family, and, and every church is unique in its own, uh, in its own way. So, you know, and I, you mentioned my dad, but I, I say this, I, you know, I learned a lot from my dad, a lot of, and, and I learned two things. I learned some things that I wanted to do as a pastor and I learned some things I didn't want to do mm-hmm. and not that he did them wrong. You know, that's the way he thought God would have him to do them. Um, but I don't have to do everything he did. Uh, exactly. And, and you're the, you know that, but anyways, just putting that out there. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, and I, and I think, I think so many times I've, I've heard it said by, by many pastors, one I'm thinking of in particular, but balance is so lacking. And I, I think personally, I think uh, I, and every, everybody can get, can get off whether it be the, the generational thing, trying to do everything just like the previous generation or to just want to do everything completely different, but right. to, exactly to your point, And maybe this is a slight different spin on, on what you mentioned, you know, that I probably brought up multiple times of being an individual, right. but um, that idea of, of being balanced and being willing to learn from those who went before us. Um, Cause most people, I think uh, either, keep a catalog of everything they want to do just like the, the other person or everything they don't want to do. Right. I, I think in, in, in all honesty, most people, myself included, we have a, we do a hard, we have a hard time sometimes cataloging the pros and the cons or right. the things we'd like to do differently. And so we can definitely help ourselves. I think one thing that I struggle with personally is 
dealing with the cons. You know, the pros are, are a positive thing that we want to look at. The cons tend to be more of a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And then we draw negativity to what someone else is doing. Well, right. just because we don't agree with it doesn't mean they're doing it bad or the wrong way. And I, right. I think our focus uh, should shift on maybe the cons and just saying, well, that's that's the way they're doing them. But I don't have to do that. And they're not doing right. anything wrong or bad or right. wicked or sinful. You know, it's just that's yeah. the way they did it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and, you know, and, and I, I, so much of it is the attitude that we that we approach it, whether we are the uh, the leader, the follower, the listener to the conversation, whatever the case may be. We, we all have an active, not, not a passive, but an active choice in how we approach things. Because right. And so often, now when someone's up there and wants to wax eloquent on whatever they want to, and they're in a pre- preaching service, you know, you, sometimes you don't have a huge choice. Um, but especially in private conversation, a lot of times we just let things go by without remarking on them, though we know you should, hey, let's just not talk about that or something to that effect. Right. So, yeah. the, you know, so, and you brought up balance. Um, mm-hmm. My, my parents, my mom and my dad are, are probably the most balanced people I've obviously known for a long time. But, um, man, they were just such a blessing having grown up in, in that home. And, you know, I, I, I heard somebody say this and I don't know who it's original to, but, you know, they were they were perfect parents for me. Obviously, there are no perfect parents, sure. uh, but they were perfect for me and, and their balance taught me. And, and it's still teaching me even today, you know, seeing mom and dad, you know, my dad will be in November, he'll be 64, still, you know, serving the Lord and loving God and my mom right there. And they just, as a matter of fact, my mom sent me uh, their schedule till um, December. And uh, she said, just in case, you know, you want to know where we are. <laughs> and, and literally from now till December, they probably didn't have more than eight to 10 days open. I mean, they're going to be traveling and gone and they'll be in Israel for a while um, during that time. And just, you know, so the, the balance that there's even still being the example to now is such a blessing to me. And, you know, uh, brother Coral, I read in one of his books, he said, balance always does good and never does damage. Mm. I, and I mm. think about that a lot because I, and I even preached, I was, you know, going through some messages earlier. Uh, if you ask my wife, what's what's something that Richard says most often? She's going to say, "Well, he always says something about balance." You know, my 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 thing is, you know, we we talk about an issue or there's something comes up, you know, in family or discipline our kid, or you know, in the workplace or in the church. I mean, just just everywhere. And one thing I always say is, there's a balance there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I may not. I may not you know, have found the balance, but there's a balance somewhere. Right. And right. one thing that even, um, I think it was brother Coral's book that I was reading or brother Jeff Fugit. I can't remember, but, um, one of them kind of, um, gave a couple of illustrations of like riding a bike, you know, you can ride a bike straight, but you're always correcting it. Right. right. Okay. That's what balance is. You know, you, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to stay straight. You're trying to stay balanced, but sometimes you get too far one way and then you got to correct back the other way. And, you know, one of the other is like walking on a curb, you know, you're, you're walking on the curb, you have your hands out and you're kind of tilted one way or the other. And, you know, but you're still on the curb, you're still balanced right. and you're still on the bike, you're still balanced. And, and it's just a, a constant, um, maybe I can't think of the right word, but a, a constant realization that, you want to be balanced. And so you're going to make your choices to stay that way and not, you know, somebody said it's easy to, to act like a Christian. It's hard to react like a Christian. And Mm -hmm. a lot of folks get off balance because we overreact or underreact, you know, there's a balance there. (laughs) Yep. No, you're exactly right. And I'm usually guilty of taking uh, illustrations like that too far. Uh, But, but the thought, the thought I immediately had is, you mentioned you're, you're constantly balancing. You're con- it's a constant struggle, right. and so often I, I think on, on both sides, some are guilty of you know someone 
just inch, you know, just goes this way a little bit, and we just want to kick their bike down. We just want, right. we just want to knock them down immediately because you're not with us anymore, and you know, all those things. And there's like they were going that they're going that way. They only had a chance to overcrack right. the other way. Right. Uh, we're just gonna put a we're just gonna put a wrench in their spokes right now, um, and, and all that. You know, it's funny you mentioned people. You know, maybe drifting or whatever. Um, I had a friend call me yesterday, and and we talked on the phone, and just uh you know burden about some of our mutual friends and and uh i'm always reminded you know of galatians uh six one you know brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault you with your spiritual restore such a one and i was thinking about that yesterday afternoon as i was i was actually uh taking a starter off one of our buses that never done that so that was an experience uh but anyways you know it tends to, when I'm work mowing, working, doing something, my mind is thinking about, you know, just different scenario situations that I wouldn't normally think about. So it kind of puts my mind in a, in a at an ease, I guess, um, where I can focus on different things. But one of the thoughts I had was, because you mentioned, you know, people, you know, maybe steering a different direction is one of the true tests of spirituality is how we treat a brother who has fallen. Because mm-hmm. it says you which are spiritual. Well, let me tell you, when a brother falls, it's going to test how spiritual you are and how spiritual I am. And I, I think, I mean, you've been in the ministry and you've been in church, you know, your whole life, and I don't, I don't think anything quite tests your spirituality like right. someone who falls. Yeah, and the the thought that immediately sprung to mind when you said that was, I've. For me personally, you know, confess your faults before all, I feel like I'm sometimes barely spiritual enough to help myself when I stumble, much less. And, and, and that's so that and that's what I feel. I, I that's pro- probably an excuse. So I feel like I'm barely capable of keeping myself upright. So who am I to be reaching out and picking other people up? But so there's there's two sides of that. Number one, don't use it as an excuse. But number two, you should be so solid, solidly upright and spiritual that it's no problem. You can reach down and um, and be able to take the weight of someone else's lack of spirituality for a time, even uh, and bear one another's burdens and all those things. Right. Um, so you're you're exactly right. And that that being the true litmus test of, of spirituality, that that's that's powerful. Well, not only does it test your spirituality, but I, you know, we're talking about balance. It tests your balance. You know, mm-hmm. how balanced are you in this? And, you know, because you, the tendency is to overreact. Right. But yet, many people underreact. Right. Well, it's, it's you know, some some person sees the same uh, circumstance or situation. They see it as, man, this is terrible. This is awful. And then the other person's like, well, it's not that bad. Right. You know. Like right. one's an underreaction, one's an overreaction. So you gotta you gotta draw balance. And even Galatians it says, um, you restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, you know, lest thou also be tempted. And so mm-hmm. you not only um, uh, the things you mentioned, but you know, there there ought to be a self examination. Right. When someone falls, where am I? You know, right. and and you know, many cases, uh, you know, being in the ministry having pastored six years, but, you know, in the ministry for 10 years previous to that, um, not counting Bible college, uh, but I do count it. You know, you see, you see people and, you know, to me, it's, it's like a wake up call. Mm-hmm. You know, where am I? Right. Where am I? How can I help? How can I help myself to be more spiritual and how can I help them in restoration? Right. You know, right. it, it seems like uh, in our circles and it's not, you know, one thing I hate when, you know, people tweet or Facebook, it's like they they put everybody into one clump, you know, rush, rush, right. Yeah, it, that's not true, you know, uh, but what we see often is um, just a lack of spirituality, a lack of balance and a lack of self-examination. Right. You're exactly and, right. And, I think. And, and more rebuke than restoration. Right. Right. And when it comes down to it, I think we have to realize that, you know, Adolf Hitler was part of the human race. 
we right. are all infected with the same disease that got him. We all have that in us. And at the day you say, oh, I could never, is the day you become most susceptible. The, the I mean, people and guys that we know and love and us to rail against Antifa, the anti-fascists right. for acting in a fascist manner. Right. And then we go and do similarly in in saying, well, I'm I'm going to so strongly correct someone else um, when you know my backyard isn't, and and, and I'm not, it's we obviously agree and, and we understand what we're saying, but yeah, that, that thought of balance, um, you can, and then you get into the fact that as a as a family, as a husband, as a pastor. Now you're riding a tandem or a quadruple bike or whatever the case may be. And now you have to help the balance of everyone else behind you. Um, and when they're little, they can't, you know, and they can't, they can't rock the boat too bad. Mm-hmm. And then they get to be teenagers and all of a sudden, you know, it's going haywire. Right. Uh, so absolutely. And that comes back to your relationship with God and your personal balance. Right. You know, um, I, side note, but I appreciate sure. you having these in a positive light, um, you know, because, you know, you get on YouTube or you see podcasts and a lot of these guys are just they're bashing um, this person or this ministry. And, you know, I, you know, like you said, well, I, at times I feel like I have a hard enough time keeping myself right, much less trying to correct everyone else in their ministry, you know, and, and obviously, again, there's a balance there. Uh, but uh, I going back to what brother Coral said about, you know, balance always does good and never does damage. The question that came to my mind is how much damage have I done because I wasn't balanced mm. in my marriage, in my, with my kids, you know, as a pastor. And, and even honestly, I look back as being a youth pastor for 10 years and I, I hurt young people because I wasn't balanced. Sure. Sure. And, and we, and the unfortunate thing is the fortunate thing for you is that you were smart enough to look back and say, man, I stuck my foot in my mouth that time, but I'm going to fix it next time. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that self-awareness, uh, you know, some choose to lack at times. Um, and I do as well. And so that, that's, that's incredibly wise to be willing to self-incriminate on the note of, uh, doing my best, utmost to uh, be, you know, in a positive light. I, um, anytime I, I get off, I normally uh, try to figure out how to say this. Normally, the reason I ever get off Twitter is because it's too depressing. I cannot remember the last time I got off because I was so fired up about something encouraging going on. Right. Now, yeah, people do share encouraging things. I, I praise the Lord right. for that. But it's never to a point, and you know, I, I mean, this is my fault, maybe. But it's never to a point where, like, man, that was so good. I need to just go do something for God now. Normally, man, that's seven tweets in a row that are just killer. I'm done with right. this. And so, speaking of balance, I am trying to do my best to overbalance the other way because there's plenty of negative content, not just in the spiritual sense, the moral sense. Right. Um, but we don't need another podcast bashing people, or at least I don't. And so I'm trying to make something for people that like me that might want to listen to something uplifting a little bit. Yeah. And, and even, you know, I think one thing it may do and you know, in my opinion, obviously is, you know, if, if, if guys in Bible college would listen to some of the, you know, especially seasoned men you've had on the podcast, you know, I think they could, they could glean from such wisdom and knowledge that these men have that I don't, I'm sure there are other podcasts that are doing similar to what you're doing, but I don't, but I'm not a podcaster. So I don't know if there are not, you know, try not, try not to clump everybody in that one. Right. Right. Uh, Right. But I I think it's, it's great that, you know, because, you know, so many young people are, uh, into podcasts and, and, you know, doing what you're doing and I'm, I'm for it, uh, you know, as long as there's a, you know, a positive right. outcome right. or a spiritual outcome. And I think a lot of men, if I was in Bible college and, you know, I tell people I graduated college without Google, you know, before Google, <laughs> uh, you know, it, young people today, they can't, they can't wrap their, their minds around that, you know, uh, but right. 
I was I would think if if I was in Bible college and could listen to you know thinking back in the the late nineties early two thousands you know of doing a, a interview with with Jack Hiles or Jim Vineyard or Lee Robertson or you know and and not all in the same time frame but you know in those in those uh, and even some others um, that are maybe not as well known right. Um, that you just sit down and ask them about ministry, things that has helped them, things that have hurt them. And, you know, uh, I shared with our church Wednesday night, I, I listened to the one with brother Houston and, uh, you know, and I, I appreciated what you had to say before the podcast about, you know, just letting the man of God speak and learning to be quiet. And that'd be good for all of us. I, I think. I, I was, I, I was, that was already where my mind was going. I was going to make this statement to the effect of, um, that that was the first time, and I should have earlier, but that was the first time in any of these where I thought consciously as I was beginning, ask your question, get out of the way, and shut up. Because, yeah. and, and to your point about guys that the Lord knows all this, in my opinion, should be better known, should be more highly sought yeah. out, should be asked to preach everywhere i'm not talking the big places everywhere right he would be the first one of the first guys i would think of now at and the other amazing now praise god that god's given him a second or third or ninth wind um as as he has now but that podcast was recorded kind of in the a low point it was maybe not the lowest point but it was close i mean he was in the hospital almost dead you know a week before that Right. And when, when he jumped when, when he came on, when, when the screen popped up with him, I, I didn't remark on it, but I was thinking, man, I'll be praying for you, Brother Houston, was a yeah. thought I had because yeah. j- j- just the, f- the physical demeanor and praise God, God's given him a, a, a more time. But you're, you're exactly right. There are so many of those guys that uh, I, and I do want to have, again, a balance between younger guys like yourself right. and these guys I, i've talked to that are, that are just getting into it and um but those guys some, some of these guys that have been around and seen it but are still doing it that's yeah. that's what that for sure yeah for sure. you know brother houston will be here next month like he, he right. october 20th to the 24th he's preaching revival for us he's been a great. you know just a, a great friend uh to me and uh to our our church loves i mean when I say they love Brother Houston, I mean they love Brother Houston. They yep. love Brother yep. Houston, and and of course we do. And we've gotten to know him more since he's been in evangelize. You know, I think he, his first year we had him, and we've had him every year since. Uh, preach revival and just a, a great blessing. Uh, you know, you know. Speaking of, you know, the the more well known or the less known. Um, you know, I was just talking to my wife about it. You know, I we just we went on vacation and we were gone uh, a while. I told you that. Mm-hmm. So you know, we get a lot of ride time in the van. You know, the kids have their DVD with their headphones on, so my wife and I could talk if she's not sleeping. Uh, but one thing I was mentioning to her is, uh, you know, I I've seen it as a trend, and I probably I don't know to what degree, but I know that when I was younger, I looked forward to hearing the more well-known speakers like it was almost like my expectation was higher for a better service because of who was preaching sure and now i feel like i've you know again balanced a little bit you know it it's it's not necessarily about who is preaching it's about what is being preached Mm -hmm. and i i find uh, a, a trend and I, and it's probably been trending, you know, forever um, that we put certain guys on pedestals that they are the only ones that, you know, can preach with the anointing of God or, you know, trending for a while. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. It, it goes back a long way. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and not to, I mean, I don't know, let's just be real. You know, some guys can preach well and some guys, you know, just can't. I mean, I don't know how any nice way to put it. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of go back to Bible college. You know, I had teachers that I enjoyed. I mean, really enjoyed going to class. 
I mean, it was a pleasure to go sit and hear them teach. And then, you know, you have other teachers who, you know, you had to stand up, to stay awake. And then, you know, still <laughs> there was a friend of mine. He's he fell over. <laughs> he went to sleep standing up, which is, you know, pretty difficult to do. Impressive, not impossible. Yeah. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? So right. but at the same time. It's more about the word of God being open and allowing the spirit of God to speak. And, and, and one thing my dad said for years, I mean, long time, every time the word of God is open, the spirit of God speaks. And I believe that it doesn't matter who's preaching. Sure. If the word of God is open, and the word of God is read and the word of God is preached. It doesn't matter who's preaching because the spirit of God is going to speak. Right. But it's like our expectations are higher when, you know, the the more the more common right. preachers are preaching our expectations are higher to receive something from god well why is that you know right. I, and, and i get it like i said i was been i've been there but now man you know hey let's just let's just you know i i like going to services where the preacher doesn't have to preach the spirit of god shows up right you know well, and i've heard a few of those uh at football camp and i and, you know even in certain other places man preacher never got up and the spirit of God started moving. Right. Um, some with, I mean, I congregational singing, special singing and, uh, and not, not that the more well-known guys are, um, not who they say they are. I don't want to put up, you know, put right. out a, a front that they're not, they're false or something, but you know, I, I think the, the folks that God has used the most will never be known. You're exactly right. And I, I think a part of that is, um, and again, going back to for me, um, I think part of that is because we put the responsibility for God moving on the preacher. Right. When we bear ourselves as the listener, part of that. Now, can God do whatever he wants without any of us? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, I, I look back at, and, and this is an example of God doing what he wanted to do. Um, but when Elijah was on the Mount and, and, you know, basically calls out the children of Israel and they answered him not a word. They didn't say nothing back to him. Right. And God still chose to do what he wanted to do through Elijah 63, you know, or whatever word prayer. Um, but how many times has there been, and I, 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 I can't remember if I was talking on this podcast or, or someone, someone to someone else about the first young man that went down during Ted Houston's seven minute message. Right. That first young guy, he was camper. He right. beat the coaches. He yeah. beat me, even though I knew God was telling me you should be down there. You should be down right. there for the first seven minutes of it, yeah. and I and I resisted, resisted, and he didn't, and he went, and I, and I, I know I wasn't uh, because it, it got swamped, but I was like second or third because he went by me. I was like, yeah, I probably should be down there too, and, yeah. and finally obeyed. But you know what would have happened if he would have never gone down? Right? Who would have? Maybe nobody, maybe we're all being pansies and nobody, you know, we're all being too prideful. Yeah. And so I, I think, I think you're exactly right when the expectation should, should simply be on God, yeah, not on the man or on, you know, his, you know, that's my, that's my favorite message. He preaches. Well, God can do whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're exactly right. And it's, and it's a joy to see uh, God doing whatever he wants, you know, whenever he wants. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and I think, I think my father-in-law made this statement, or maybe it's Pastor Grimaldi. Uh, they all run together. I talked to too many people, I guess. Um, the first, call it, you know, moving of God at, at football camp predated me. Uh, I think it was in the auditorium. I think Brother Sharp preached. And, um, you know, three quarters of the way in, auditorium was packed. Uh, the altar was packed. And I always know you probably were. The next time, Brother Houston preaches seven minutes or so. The next time, nobody preaches. Right. So it's just God showing us. I think next time before we walk in, God's just going to be there and, you know, we're yeah. just going to walk in and just walk to the altar. I don't know. But him just kind of showing us incrementally, I need you less and less and less. Right. I can take care of this thing for sure. Right. You um, know, and I've heard of different, you know, revivals in churches where, you know, basically a preacher's got up and, and read the word of God and, you know, the altars were, you know, flooded and, you know, I, I I know this. I know God wants to speak. I know He is speaking. It's just up to us to respond. Right. You know, You're exactly right. And, and it's it's difficult 
because, you know, I mean, we live in a, a wicked world and we're surrounded by negativity, um, just, you know, sin. And, and when we come to church and we try to, you know, put all that aside and it's difficult at times because it's it's where we are right. most of the day, most of the week. And so, you know, we come to church for, you know, uh, you know, if you, I, I figured it up. If someone gets early to Sunday morning before Sunday school, stays after the morning service, gets early for, you know, Sunday evening church, stays late, it comes early on Wednesday or Thursday, whichever day your midweek service is and stays late, you know, a, a maximum of, you know, or a minimum of eight hours. I mean, that's that's not even a, a full work day for most people. Right. They're right. surrounded eight to ten, maybe twelve hours or more, on a daily basis, and and, and it's just uh, people have always dealt with it, uh, so it's not anything new. But I think it certainly hinders, right? You know, our response. Right, you're, you're exactly right. The mind, our minds are not on God moving or God speaking. Our mind is on you know so-and-so and such-and-such and and this is going on and that's going on and right you know we live in such a a fast-paced world you know i tell my church is like the reason god the reason we don't um experience god in in the way we should i think is because the bible says stand still and see the salvation lord be still and know that i'm god and we have a hard time being still right and and that does not mean standing still swiping 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 (laughs) you're exactly right Yep. You know, it's yep. a it's it's a quiet time, you know. You know, I, I think it goes back to even, you know, Matthew was it six, you know, in that closet. You know, just getting up getting alone with God. And we live in such a fast paced, you know, society that man, it's it it God's too slow in some people's eyes. Right. Yep. And and I I've probably said this more podcast than not, but um timing is everything that that's balance you know all all these things that are super important but timing man being the where is easy it's when that's hard part but you know and that's one thing my dad taught me and i mean the same thing he said life is all about timing you know, it's, it, you know, take young people, you know, it's, it's, it's not that we want young people to stay single their whole life, but we don't want them to get married at 15. Right. Why? Cause it's the wrong time. We want them to wait, find God's will and then marry at the right time. You know, um, death, you know, when, when a, when a 90 year old dies, it doesn't bother us right. as much. Why? Because they live their time. But right. you know, when a when a five or six year old dies, you know that troubles us. Right. But we know everybody's going to die, so why does death bother us? It's the timing of death. Right. And so you know, life is all about timing. And to and you know, to to go back to where we just were, and even what you mentioned, I I think too often we don't take time for God. Yep. And the last uh, one or two ago now, we quoted a uh, Leonard Ravenhill basically saying if you're not spending two hours a day with god you're a scrub basically what he was saying in, in our vernacular that's what he meant yeah um and yeah that's a little convicting when i look back at yesterday today last week my life right. you know yeah. kind of gets you in the gut a little bit right. um and, and you think about and you see all these you know motivational entrepreneur posts or whatever you know, if you want a 1% life, you got to do what the 1% do and all that stuff. But it applies spiritually, too. Absolutely. It's absolutely true. There's a reason, um, you know, guys like it not to t- turn this to football. But there's a reason coaches like Bill Belichick are always successful or some degree of success. It just happens right. to follow them around. Somehow right. they make their own luck. And there's a reason you name whoever it is, whoever's successful to you or you, know, you, you that are viewing. There's a reason. It's not just blind luck. Jeff Bezos didn't just fall into, um, you know, being at the helm of Amazon. Uh, right. And those men of God that you so admire and look up to, they didn't just accidentally fall into it one day. And, right. and usually and probably in a lot of cases, and they would probably be the first to admit it, though I'm not not saying this on their behalf. 
most of them, there are probably people more talented than they than they are that God could have used just as well. Um, mm-hmm. But they made the time, like we're like yeah. saying right now. So you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Well, we're sitting on 50 plus minutes here. What I'd like to do is I think one of these days I'm going to need to come down to southern Louisiana and see what's really going on. I'm talking to Jay Griggs a couple of uh, uh, a week or so ago about some different things. And uh, when we go off air, I'll talk to you about, about it real quick. But so maybe I'll be in that neck of the woods sometime early next year and all yeah. that. So come down, maybe do, do one of these in person. <clears throat> you can take me to the real Cajun spots and we can see if I can handle, uh, handle all that. I've, I've, I don't know that I've ever, I'm trying to think, I've ever participated in a real, like crawfish boil or, or anything like that, like a real one, and all uh, with everything going on. So yeah. maybe you'll have to help me with that situation. We'll see. Yeah. But we one last, question, last question I always ask is anything we've talked about a lot of stuff that we both um, are passionate about. But anything, it can be spiritual or not. Doesn't matter. Anything with this audience of thousands that are listening. Anything at all you'd like to share before we go off the air? Um, I always like to share uh, my life verse. Okay. Um, and uh, it's Job twenty two twenty one. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. And, you know, if you break down that verse, the word acquaint just means to get to know um, or be familiar with. And it's speaking of God. So, you know, get to know God. Well, then it says acquaint now. Uh, one thing, especially young people, you know, don't put off getting to know God. You know, so many folks, well, when I get to be, you know, you know, throw a number out there, then I'll serve God. Well, you know, get to know God now. And then it says, acquaint now thyself. And so don't put off getting to know God personally. And even just Wednesday night, you know, I told our young people, I said, you know, you have to develop a relationship with God yourself. And that's what that verse is teaching. Point out thyself with him and be at peace and thereby good shall come to thee. So peace has come to those who don't put off getting to know God personally. And so I always like to, you know, if someone asks me, do you have a, a thought or, you know, some word, I, I, I like to give them my life verse because if, if I'm not experiencing peace and I, and I, you know, lacking in the goodness then it's because I haven't been as familiar with the Lord as I should be. And so, uh, you know, know, it's something we all can, all can do is get to know God better. And we don't have to put off getting to know him better personally. Right. Well, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And you go so many directions with that, but yeah, when, when you know God and you have the mind of Christ, Speaking of balance, speaking of timing, it's funny how all those things seem to be a whole lot more clear right. when you see things the way God sees them. And oftentimes, yeah. it's not until hindsight and 2020 and all those things. But uh, amen. Well, I greatly appreciate it, sir. Very, very well, much. It was an honor time. to be on here. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And, and I, my prayer is that it's a help to to some other young men like ourselves and an encouragement maybe to, to some of the older men uh, to know that Though we be knuckleheads, we still want to follow in their footsteps. Amen. And I still want to do some of the things they did and pick up the mantle Good. and all those things. Well, I'll, we'll go and sign off. Stick around for just a second, brother Way. This okay. has been Mike McCurry Live, number 36.